Wow. <laughs> Thanks, Jake. Thanks, team. I was uh, in the first service. I had baptized somebody, so I was out for this time of worship. I had no idea. I was walking into something. I didn't know what I was walking into. Now I know. Um, Amen. I invite you to turn to Romans 13. I've got some good news. We're, we're about ready to finish the book of Romans. We've been in it, I don't know how long, a couple years. We're looking to wind it down here in June. Um, June. Is this on? <laughs> it's not on. Yeah. No, we're uh, going to wind it down here in... Uh, here in a couple of weeks, so um, we're yeah we're coming to the end, and I want to read Romans 13. We're finishing up that chapter, and it says this, verse eight: "Owe no one anything, except to love each other. For the love, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments: you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and." any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So let's cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. He starts off with this phrase again, love. He's been talking about this idea of love, and, and the word is from the Greek word agape, God's kind of love. And rather than trying to describe this, just, show, just watch this video clip of what this kind of love looks like. My name is Fali. I'm Cambodian. When I was with the Khmer Rouge, I didn't see my, my baby for four years. Four years, I don't know who she was die or not. My husband was killed, my father was killed, my daughter still alive. Thank God, you know. I cannot stay without, uh, without anything. No money, no family, the house is burned. I leave my country in 1980, and I arrived in France in 1981. Before, before believing God, I would like to kill anybody in the Khmer Rouge. But now, God saved me. I don't think about that anymore. That's anger. It's not good. I pray, I pray to God for being the people who do anything wrong. I read the Bible almost every day. A little bit, a little bit like that. That might make me peace in my soul. Christ came to the earth to love each other. Don't fight anymore. Finish Khmerus. <laughs> Jesus said, love each other like he loved the church too. 
But you know, the love, no action is not love. You have to do something to show the love to each other. He says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. Quotes Christ. This woman, I love that statement. Camarouge, it is finished. I mean, they, they took her away from her daughter for four years. They killed her husband. They killed her father. Took away everything. And she loves. She loves. There's, a, there's this idea God has that he puts in us uh, of love. First John 1 says, God is love. It's one of the first letters John wrote. He wrote three there towards the end of the Bible. There's another book called The Gospel of John, and it's John hanging out with Jesus. And Jesus one moment said, hey, look, this world's going to know you, anyone who follows me, if you have my love. That's, that's how they're going to be defined, not if you've got the best argument, not if you've got anything else. It's love. Love defines those who follow Christ, not just any kind of love, but that kind of love. The kind of love that would never, ever he says, commit adultery. What is the thing? Love that would never covet. Love that never would steal. Love that never would murder, kill. Not that. Love is this unconditional, overwhelming thing from God. It is God. It is who he is. And when you and I follow him, his, his presence, which is pure love, lives in us. It, it, Paul wrote, actually, in a different letter, he said, you know what, when it's all finished, this world's gone and everything, faith, hope, and love are going to be the only things that left, and, and the greatest of these is love. We're defined by love. We're known for love. And he goes on to give this urgency. He says, besides this, he says, I want you to love, but besides this, you know what's happening. You know the, the time has come for us to wake up from our sleep because the night is almost over. The day is almost here. Our salvation is nearer now than we first started this whole journey. And he's not talking about our, our salvation in the sense, I, I will go to heaven. He's talking about salvation as in Christ coming back and fulfilling everything and the world gets all straightened out that, that day of us being with him, judgment, the whole thing. It all ends, right? And he says, it's nearer now than when we first started. And he's like, you gotta, you gotta wake up. Wake up. There's an urgency. It's the first time you hear urgency ever in the book of Romans. This is it. Wake up. I remember as a kid, um, I don't know if my mom's in this service or not. I think she's in the first service. But uh, this is a funny story. She's, she's back here. I don't know. Gone already. Uh, um, I always loved it when my mom would wake me up. Because she was always so soft. Just, Scott. Scott. Time to get up. No. And my dad would come in. Right? Us dads were put on the earth to wake them up, <laughs> not to soothe them up. And uh, I remember my dad would come in, and he kind of put his knee against the bed. 
time to get up. Just hit it with his leg. <laughs> I'm like, get up. And then he just walk out of the room. No gentleness to it. No, oh, I love you so much. Just, son, get up. Face life. Go. And, I, and I, this is not a soothing moment here, okay? This isn't God coming along and going, oh, it's time to get up. It's time to wake up. No, it's God saying, wake up! Mm. Come on! Glory! <laughs> I couldn't have planned that better. I'll stand back here. It's so, it's so hard. You know, when you, um, when you start walking with Christ, you hear he's going to come back, right? And you think, oh, that could be next, that could be tomorrow, right? Or, and we're taught, always be looking out, always be prepared, keep your eye open, because the day of the Lord is coming, like a thief in the night, and there's going to be signs, or we're going to see, and every generation sees the signs and thinks, this could be it, this could be it, we could be seeing the signs, right? But it's so hard to live that way. I mean, Tell me this much. How would you answer this question? Because I know how I would answer it. If you knew Christ was coming back tomorrow, which has often been posed to us, would you act any differently than you would have if you didn't know that? Like you knew that. Would you change something? Would you do something different if you knew for sure he was coming back tomorrow? Of course we would. Of course we would. We would live differently. And, and that's the call, is to not have an incongruence there, but to have a life of saying, no, I am ready, I'm living ready, and, and of course I have to live a sustained life, and I have to do the things and save money and provide and things like that. So there's nothing wrong with those things. If you have money in your bank account, that's not wrong, right? It's, it's this whole idea, though, of having a mindset of he could come tomorrow. Could I, could I stand before him and say, Lord, I have been preparing spiritually. I have been, I've been living this life. I've been talking to people. I've been loving. I've been, or is Christ telling you right now, wake up? And what he was talking to specifically, is he, as Paul was looking at their life, he was just warning them, saying, hey, look, you're different. You're filled with love. These commandments over here of not doing, that's not what we're about. And then he goes on to actually, I'm going to come back to these things again. And he, he highlights three different pairs of sins. And I don't know why he couples them together, but he does couple them together. He comes back to it and he says, look, if you're going to be ready, this stuff's got to go. You're, you're, and he talks about clothes. He says, take off and put on the armor of light. Take off and, and put on Christ. Those are the things. It's, it's the metaphor of clothes. It's easy to understand. It's a spiritual thing. And he says this. His first pair is, would you take off these things, cast off these things, the works of darkness, not in orgies and drunkenness. Folks, this isn't rocket science. I mean, he's probably looking at the Roman culture of its day, which had its holidays, and they had their religious festivals, and it was just an excuse to just get drunk, have a party, do things that ought not to be done. And most of the time it's at night. Why? Because you can get away with it in the cover of darkness. And he's saying, take that stuff 
off. In the first service, we heard a story, just a young adult, just a story of going to parties, getting high. And, and this whole thing of getting drunk, it's more than that. It's just that chemical addiction. It's, it's getting that buzz. It's whatever. And maybe it's just for the party. Maybe it's to escape life. Maybe it, it, it happened like Bob, where you've had 25 surgeries, and now you're addicted to them. In this room right now, I, I know there are people that are struggling with this. It's just, we're Northeast Ohio. I don't know how many people hear this when you go to another state. Is it really that bad? Because Ohio is like the epicenter for all this, the drug addiction or drug abuse stuff. I have no idea why. But in a room like this, yeah, there's people that are struggling with this. And Christ is saying, it's time to wake up. It's time to take off those clothes. There's, there's only one way. I love how Bob said he's 45 years of addiction. When he got clean is when he repented and turned back to Christ. And I love that line. Who doesn't love that line? He took me back again. Like, sign me up. That's Christ. After 45 years, he took me back again. Some of you need to get those clothes off. Take them off. And what you're doing and in this addiction is not loving. It splashes up on everyone. There's nothing loving about it for self and for anyone around you. The second pair that Paul talks about was sexual immorality and sensuality. This isn't rocket science to understand, or it's not hard to understand, right? If you're sleeping with someone who's not your spouse, that is sexual immorality. Christ even expands it to further. He says, if you're looking at someone lustfully, that is sexual immorality and sensuality. If you're looking at pornography, that's sexual immorality. God doesn't care whether it's on a computer. He doesn't care whether it's on TV. He doesn't care whether it's in print, written out pictures. He doesn't care. It's all the same. And he says, wake up. It's evil. And how do you know you've gone too far? Because that's often what happens with something like this. It's like, well, it's not as bad as, and it's not as awful as. And the problem is if you're saying that, you know you've gone too far. And if you still don't know that you've gone too far, because that righteous standard is over here. Do, it's over here. Do not look upon anyone this way, ever. And, and if you're over here and you don't know whether you've gone too far and you're spending more time looking this way and saying, at least I'm not as bad as them or I haven't gone that bad, Christ, uh, Christ would say, start to look at me. And, and if you are nervous or you break out in a cold sweat about having to tell your spouse something, then you've gone too far. If you get cold sweats thinking that you would have to tell your dad or your mom or accountability partner or a mentor what you're really thinking and doing, you've gone too far. Christ says, wake up, wake up, quit wearing those clothes. 
If you're doing it just to feel better, to numb the pain, to escape, it, it just, it won't. It's a lie. It's not love. It's not even close to love. It's so twisted and evil. The third pair he talks about is quarreling and jealousy. Do, do you like to fight? Do you like to argue with people? You always have to be right. You always have to have the last word, right? You have to put people in their place. Like you, you think about what you could say next. It always has to be your way, and if someone changes the plan, that's a fight. Here we go. Why are you always arguing? Is it, I don't know, things in your past? Is it maybe stuff you're involved with right now in the, the counseling world? It's called transference. Yell and scream at somebody else for what they're doing makes you feel better because actually that's what's going on inside of you, going inside of me. We transfer all the judgment that we're feeling and we just go at somebody else. Maybe that's what's going on with you. Are you jealous? Other people get the position, get the job, whatever. I mean, in a town like this, where kids are the idols. Parents, you struggling with jealousy? Oh, that family. Oh, they have this. That family has this. Look at those kids. Look at that. Kids, you got to struggle with it. Christ says, wake up. Wake up. You're wearing clothes of darkness. And in the positive, he says, stop doing this. And in the positive, he says, dress yourselves in the armor of light. It, it's, Paul uses that word armor in a different place over in Ephesians. And he says, put on the full armor of God. He talks about the armor being faith and, and the, the word of God and, and truth and salvation and righteousness. All these words that have to do with the essence of who God is, and he says, dress yourselves in the essence of who God is. Over in Ephesians, he says it here as well. In Galatians, he says, put on Christ. Like, this isn't the first time this comes up. He says, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. How do you do that? How do I do that? This is the mystical side of our faith. Like, you can say you're clothed with the Lord Jesus Christ, and it could be true, and it could be not true. You and I could pretend it's true, and it's not. On the other hand, we can be, someone can say it, and actually be in this place where they have put on Christ. So it's so hard to measure, because you could come to church... And that can be absolutely, absolutely meaningless. And yet, you can come to church and that have everything, mean everything. It's mystical. It's like trying to hold water. How do you do this? And yet, it's real. I think what I've come to understand is... Clothing ourselves with Christ is a never-ending request 
where we talk with Jesus and say, would you clothe me? Would you dress me in your love? Would you put on your clothes? Put, put your clothes on me. Put your clothes on me. And we say it, it's never ending. Put your clothes on me, Lord. Dress me with your clothes of righteousness. Dress me with your clothes of love. Dress me with your peace. Dress me with you. I, I want to be clothed with you. And he'll do it in a supernatural way. He'll do it. Sometimes it's a cry of desperation. Sometimes it happens multiple times a day. We're just crying out, oh, Jesus, clothe me. Sometimes we say it in confidence, sometimes in weakness. Sometimes we don't even think about saying it because we've been saying it so much we do live in it. And sometimes we don't say it because we're not saying it and we've forgotten it. It's a never-ending, we-never-grow-out-of-it request. We just keep asking Jesus every day, every moment. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Have some of you forgotten how to do that? I think there's times where we, we talk about wandering away from Christ, and um, I know in my own life, I've heard other stories, even today, you hear stories, we can wander from this, and we just wake up one day and go, why is this so hard? How come this is so hard to do? Like, it used to be so easy. Are some of you right there right now, like, you've forgotten how to do this? It seems so easy. It once was so easy, and now it seems impossible. Like, I don't even know how to do that anymore. How did I drift so far where I'm wearing things that I ought not to be wearing, and I don't know how to wear Christ? It can happen. It's interesting, Paul also says this. He says, do not, in one version he says, do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful flesh. The ESV version I'm reading out, it says, make no provision. Making a provision, or don't think, is basically, you kind of give yourself a little back door. I'm not going to do it, but you, you keep the back door open so you can go back to it. Oh, you're always making the plan. We're always making the plan for the next thing. And that's the problem with sin. It just uh, overpromises, underlivers all the time. Says we'll be satisfied, but it never satisfies. It's interesting because science is proving this out. It's one thing to say I'm going to stop, but it's another thing to actually stop because what happens, science proves this, is we actually form neural pathways towards pleasure. Our brain is wired to do that. And the problem is when that pleasure is attached to the things of evil, we form a neural superhighway. Like you can see it on MRIs. It's sobering how we can form neural pathways. The amazing thing is we can form new ones. And we can actually rip up old ones. Our bodies will literally get rid of neural pathways towards pleasure if we tell it not to. 
but we can't do it on our own. I mean, Bob did it, what, for 45 years? And it was in Christ that he was able to. When you're talking about tearing out neural pathways associated with pleasure connected to evil, it's virtually impossible to do it on your own. In fact, it is impossible to do it on your own. I mean, really recovered the church that planted out of here, or I don't know if we can say it planted out of here. God did his thing and planted the church and whatever. But you talk to those people, and the only way out is Christ. And sobriety, they say, takes, the, the, I, you know, the journals and everything, I was just reading one recently, it takes at least 90 days of complete sobriety, not even from alcohol, from anger, sobriety from sexual addiction, sobriety from anything that you struggle with, is going to take at least 90 days of you not doing it to begin to tear out the old pathway and then be starting to create a new neural pathway towards that which God says will bring you true joy. So when he says, do not think about it, it's, it's real. Like, that's what needs to happen. We have to literally stop, and it's impossible on our own. Oh, Jesus, clothe me. Jesus, dress me. Jesus, wash my mind again today. I can't wash my mind again. Wash me. We sing these songs. One name is higher, one name is stronger than any grave, than any throne. Christ. Let's pray. We have a few moments here, and I think Christ wants to talk to you right now. For those of you who have been, it's easy, it's clear, and you understand this, this idea of Christ just clothing you and dressing you with himself. Just come to him right now, and you can just say, do it again, Lord. For those of you who, this You've drifted, it, you've forgotten, I don't know why, whatever has happened in life, whatever you're in, whatever you're not in, I don't know. But if it has seemed difficult again for you, I want you to hear from Christ right now. You come to him and you just say, you don't have to be cleaned up, you don't have to be anything, you can just come to him and say, Jesus, would you clothe me, dress me in your clothes, would you put on me your presence? And he'll do it. If you are just sitting here and you know you're wearing stuff, you've been wearing stuff that you shouldn't have been wearing for a long time or a short time, just ask Christ right now, Lord, do you want me to tell somebody? 
And who is it? And I'm going to tell you the answer. I'm cheating because Christ says, do confess your sins to one another. He makes it real clear. His word is clear on this. Ask him who. And finally, just receive right now God's love. Jesus, we sing about this love of yours that for all eternity we'll never forget. Would you bless each person in this room with your love in the way they need it? Each person, Lord, I I just come against any blocks, any person that is thinking they don't deserve it, any person that is sitting there going, I can't receive this because of all that I've done. And and Lord, you just overwhelm them and you just pour out your love. Your love right now will supersede all that and touch each person. God, would you send us out into this world? Lord, there are people that have never touched this love, never known what it's like to wear it. Lord, don't let us go home and forget this call to love. Show us, Lord, who to bring in. Show us even who to invite to Alpha, Lord, to to step across a room, step across a street, love them. Amen.